can't believe this is happening. I can't believe a lot of things are happening, actually. First of all, I want to say much love and support to everybody listening to Edge of Your Seat podcast. The reception, the word of mouth, the social media, everything has been way bigger than I thought it would be. I really just started this because I love doing this. I love talking to people. I love telling stories. I love finding out life through other people's perspective. I love it. So for me to do this and to share with all of you is amazing. We are at episode 50 of Edge of Your Seat podcast. That is amazing. And it would not be happening if it wasn't for you listening to us, following us, liking us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Really appreciate everything. I don't know if I could tell you enough how much that means to me to reach the level that it really means to me. So thank you, thank you very much. And another person who still feels that way, even though we are no longer talking together, Tony Milas, my homie, one of my really good friends, I call him a brother, he stepped back into the booth. He was a co-host. He came back to do to do the milestone 50th episode. I told him I wasn't going to do an intro and just let it play, but then local sports stuff, I had to push the show a couple days because of things that were going on in my life, which that seems to happen a lot, but I am a banker by day. At night, I'm either helping in some sort of way with IVCC women's basketball, and I'm doing this podcast. Trying to do three, four a week, especially with the postseason of Illinois high school sports right now, right upon us. So I'm trying to do as many shows as I can so they might not get out in extremely timely fashion, but as soon as I can edit and get them out, I am putting them out there for you guys to listen because everybody should enjoy this. That's for sure. And Tony does too. He came into the booth. We talked. It was fantastic. He was here on Sunday. I am putting this up Wednesday night. You might not hear it till Thursday morning. So a few days later. Always fun to talk to my friend. We click. We mesh really well. That's why we're as cool as we are. He's cool as the other side of the pillow. I'm as cool as a cucumber. Two cool cats like that. What do you think you're going to get? Awesomeness. <laughs> that was really cocky. I didn't mean it like that. Before we get to the milestone, milest, <laughs> epical episode, a couple things I want to say real quick. The St. Bede softball team is having their annual fish fry on February 28th from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the LaSalle VFW. The cost is $10 for fish, fries, and coleslaw. Carryouts are also available if you do not want to eat at the LaSalle VFW. So, join the softball team from St. Bede. The Lady Bruins are always a good time, always ready to talk some softball and pump up their team. So you guys should go to the LaSalle VFW and help them do that. But before we get to the softball season, basketball postseason is underway. Class 1A and 2A are at the sectional final spot right now. Unfortunately, we had a team get knocked out in the sectional semis. And of course, I'm talking about St. Bede. In the 1A Putnam County sectional, Aurora Christian defeated St. Bede 52-19 on Monday. Aurora Christian goes on to meet Gardner South Wilmington at 7 p.m. Thursday in the final. 
GSW defeated Newark 41-40 on Monday. That was a tough game. Now they're going into Aurora Christian, who is not an easy foe. Amboy stayed alive in Class 1A by defeating Galena 47-33. The Lady Clippers are in the Class 1A Pecatonica sectional final. They are going to play Eastland at 7 p.m. Thursday. This will be the third time Amboy is playing Eastland. Amboy's only lost one game this year, and that was to Rock Falls, who is Class 2A. There's a lot riding on this one. This is a huge game for everybody. And Eastland beat Stockton 61-49 to get into the final. This is the game that Amboy and Eastland have been preying upon for the postseason brackets. And here it is. And again, that's 7 p.m. Thursday at the Pecatonica sectional. In 2A, Fieldcrest went to war in the 2A Wilmington sectional, but they fell to Joliet Catholic Academy 52-42. Plugging away, plugging away, got to overtime, but fell by 10 to end their season. Joliet Catholic Academy will now play Seneca in the Wilmington sectional final at 7 p.m. Thursday. And just because I've been following it the entire way, not teams that we're crazy interested in, but it's Illinois sports, so I'll talk any Illinois team, any Illinois player, coach. Hey, if you got a suggestion for me to talk to anybody, let me know, because I'm always down for a new chat, a good chat, an interesting chat. But in the 2A Mendota sectional, the final is going to be at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And it will be between Winnebago and Riverdale. Winnebago beat Johnsburg 51-34. And Riverdale beat Marion Woodstock 45-25 to get into the sectional final. So pretty impressive wins. Now they're going against two solid squads. We will see what happens there. Class 3A, 4A girls basketball postseason started this week. Number five seeded LaSalle, Peru took on number three, Washington, at the Washington Regional in 3A action. And LP ended their season with a 54-35 loss. The Lady Cavs did great things all season. I am in talks with their coach, Hollis Vickery, and we will have him on soon to talk about everything that the Lady Cavs were able to do. Every single year, they get in one of the toughest girls regionals in 3A. If you know anything about Illinois basketball, listen to the teams that are in this. So just in their regional was number one seed in Morton, East Peoria. East Peoria was a nine seed. Not, not that tough. Of course, Washington. Washington's always a good team every year. In the other regional that they would meet in the sectional, Peoria Richwoods, solid team, Geneseo, real solid team, Dunlap, and Canton. Canton's on the East Peoria level. Dunlap is okay. Peoria Richwoods, Morton, Geneseo, Washington are tough squads every year. And every year it seems like LaSalle Peru has to try to get through one of them. And it is tough. But congrats to Hollis Vickery and the squad for having a great season. When we're talking about girls basketball, I remember Mike Kilmartin as a Mendota athletic director, as a St. B boys basketball coach, as a Mendota boys basketball coach. But probably number one, I remember him as a Mendota girls basketball coach. Kilmartin took the Lady Trojans to the state tournament at the end of the 1998-1999 season that, of course, was 
Jackie Bice, who is currently the Mendota all-time leading scorer. She was on that squad. They went 26-7 and that year. That's how I remember Kilmartin first. I got to Mendota High School in 2001. He was still the coach there. That's how I knew him until I got into this journalism world. I've talked to him many, many, many times about Mendota stuff, St. Bede stuff, all kinds of stuff. And I ran into him today and he said, it's the podcast king. That's what he called me <laughs> instead of Brandon or hey you or it, whatever he wanted to call me. He called me the podcast king. That was a cool feeling. I asked him, I'm like, so you're telling me that you listen to my podcast? And he's like, I've listened to a few of them. They're actually pretty good. And I was like, I'll take that actually as a strong word of, you know, encouragement right there and said, you know, it's an honor for somebody like Mike Kilmartin to listen to my podcast. So that was, that was awesome. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame basketball coach. He's tough. He's a tough dude and he speaks his opinion. There is no doubt about that. If he disagrees with you, you will know. There is no doubt about that. You know, when you're a kid, you don't want to agree with any older person, especially not a teacher, a coach, athletic director. I mean, it depends what kind of kid you were. I didn't, though. I've always thought that I was right about everything, which obviously I'm not. I had to get older to understand that. But until that happened, I, I was in that mind frame. And then when it did happen, you know, we got along really well. And he came up and addressed me, said hello, and it was, it was great to see him. So it was really good to see Killer Coach Kill Martin, and to have him say that he listens to my podcast, call me the podcast game, that was pretty awesome. Definitely appreciate that. I have held up the interview with Tony Milas long enough. Milas is a great friend of mine, was the former co-host, schedules just didn't work out. We talk about that at the beginning of the podcast. I don't want to say anything else. We talk about everything, a lot of stuff, almost everything. Yeah, everything. We will be back. Fast and Furious the next couple days. I got three awesome podcasts, including this, episode 50 with Tony Milas. Episode 51, I talked to three state qualifying wrestlers in Putnam County's Connor Brooker, LaSalle Peruse, Peyton Perino, and Ashton Kellett. Also, episode 52, I spoke with University of Illinois baseball head coach, Dan Hartlub, and current Illini pitcher Tyra Barchik, who also graduated from Hall after helping them win the 2018 Class 2A Championship in baseball. Lots of awesome podcasts coming. Please come back and listen. Share with your friends. Follow, like, comment on Twitter, Edge of Your CP, Facebook, Edge of Your C Podcast, and of course, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes and Google Music. Review, like, star, follow, all that good stuff. Much appreciated. Thank you, Brian Cavelli, for the intro-outro song on this episode and every other episode. Until next time, peace. The trip to Milwaukee for the IBCC women's basketball team is over. It was not a good game. We played the number 10 team in the nation, Brian and Stratton, and they played like a number one team, well at least against us anyway. So we'll skip over that. I have a special guest, not on a phone interview, but in person. You guys might remember him. I remember him. One of my best friends. Love him to death. We have Tony Milas back in the building. What's up? What's up, Brandon? Thanks for having <laughs> me, man. I'm happy to have you here. 
you reached out and were like, hey, man, you're getting to, like, episode 50. We need to do this one together. I'm like, sure. Why, why not? I should have thought of that earlier. Yeah, special. Special episode. I'm excited about this. Today is Sunday before the All-Star Game, so we'll talk about what we think is going to happen there, the special Kobe stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about trades, MLB, and NBA. We will talk about the Bears. We'll talk about whatever we choose to. This is going to be a great national sports Non-scripted, just roll with it type day, right? Like a buffet. It's going to be like a buffet of topics. A buffet. You ain't got a hitch on your belly button, do you? No. This is going to be like the National Sports Podcast Ponderosa. Right. you agree or disagree with us, it's going to be a good one. For sure. So we'll go straight into trades. I jotted a couple down that I wanted to talk about. We'll start with D'Angelo Russell, was on the Golden State Warriors, now in Minnesota. So Minnesota gets D'Angelo Russell, and the Golden State Warriors get Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick. What do you think of this trade, Tony? I think right now this is the trade uh, is better for Minnesota. I think in the long run, if Wiggins can get himself to be the role player he needs to be, with Steph and Clay, I think he could really turn it around as well. But right now, I think it's it's I think it leans towards Minnesota. I think we should both. I agree that Minnesota is probably the winner out the gate. I mean, D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry playing together didn't really make a lot of sense no. to me. They're both facilitators. They're both scorers. They both kind of have the same game. Steph and Curry is just more elevated. He's a better player. But they kind of play similarly, if that makes sense. They do, and that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say is when Curry and Thompson come back, Andrew Wiggins, when he was in Minnesota, they, they wanted him to be that scorer. They wanted him to be that guy to, you know, take over in situations. And he just, he, he's I don't believe he's built for it. And Golden State, he's not going to have to worry about that. He can just be the guy to, you know, he can sit back and get his shots when he needs to because, you know what, you got two just killers that they call the Splash Brothers that are going to be able to carry the game when it comes down to the last second. So I think Andrew Wiggins is going to thrive in Golden State. Yeah, I think both players are in situations that favor them. D'Angelo Russell now has Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. They're going to play really, really well together. I don't see how they don't. And then, like you said, Wiggins with the Splash Brothers. All he's got to do is drive, cut, shoot, mm -hmm. things that he wants to do. He doesn't have to be a leader. He doesn't have to be a distri distributor. He doesn't have to do any of that. He's right. got guys that are going to do that for him. He can, yeah, he can be a thing. And how, how excited is Carl Anthony Towns to have D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota? It's like, I mean. finally I got a guy. <laughs> he is excited, man. He's very excited. They thought that guy was going to be Andrew. Andrew Wiggins. It wasn't. But now they're going to bring in a proven all-star who is going to be exactly what Cat needs. And you know what? Yeah, Russell can... He can get his own shots. He, he's that guy that wants to be that guy to go get those shots at the end of games, where I don't believe Wiggins is that guy. So it does work out good for both teams. Definitely. Let's move on. We got Miami gets Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill. The Grizzlies get Winslow. Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters. What about this trade? Okay, well, they're obviously going to release Deion Waiters if they haven't already. I have not looked that up. Uh, Deion Waiters is kind of a train wreck. Uh, with our luck, the Bulls will go out and pick him up. Um, I think this was ugly for a long time, and I don't blame Andre Iguodala. I think John Morant really needs to just shut his mouth. But there was a lot of things that happened with this, with, with Iguodala staying with the Grizzlies and, re, and not playing. I'm glad a trade got done. I think Miami is a, I don't want to say a dark horse, because I know, I know if I sit here and tell you I think Miami could go to the Eastern Conference Finals, I know people are going to laugh at me right now. But I'm telling you, I, I think they are built 
to get there. And this Agnes, Andre Iguodala, with these young players like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, you know, he's going to he's going to show these guys how it is to win and be in those moments in those playoff games. Uh, this this works out great for Miami. I know I'm not going to argue with you. I've kind of been watching the Heat and looking at them like, hey, this is kind of a team that could do what they want to do. When you have young guys who are not proven, that are trying to be proven, they're all hungry, they want to show that they can play in this league. You said Tyler Hero. Jimmy Butler is in that same mold. I mean, he's a great player, but he still hasn't proven himself to be an elite guy. Now he's in that position. When he went to Miami Heat, I was happy because I knew he's going to be the guy. He needed that situation where it's all about him, and he can do what he wants to with the squad. Now he has that in Miami with great role players. He's got shooters. He's got big guys in the post with uh, Bam. Adebayo. Yeah, thank you for saying the name. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's got more shooters. Drake Crowder, shooter, power forward that can spread the floor. Andre Iguodala, he is getting older, but he's still a great player, great defense. He can lock down the number one, number two player on the opposite team. Solomon Hill is a scorer, slasher kind of player. So now they're adding more dynamics to this offense that can do whatever they want. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, with the Iguodala, he can give you 20 minutes a game and show you how to win. It's just, I mean, we haven't even touched on Kendrick Nunn. That kid is a stud, man, and I think he's going to be better and better. And I think a lot of this is, is you have guys that these Miami that Miami drafted and Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn. Then you got, like, where Bam out of bio, you know, they drafted him too. They're not making a bunch of crazy trades. I know that they traded for Jimmy Butler, and that had a lot to do with Dwayne Wade, uh, Spolstra. But Duncan Robinson is your today's Kyle Korver. If anybody don't know who Duncan Robinson is, he is uh, a, he can drain threes like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he did pretty decent in a three-point contest, but, I mean, you can't just judge him off that if that's the only thing you watch. you got to watch this kid in a live game. He's amazing. I love him on NBA 2K. I yeah. just have him spot up in the corner. <laughs> it works, I bet. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Cleveland gets Andre Drummond. The Pistons receive John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a 2023 pick. What about this one, Tony? Okay, I, I will say uh, before we went on the air here, I told you I didn't think it made sense. My mistake. I think it does make sense. Kevin Love and Colin Sexton with Andre Drummond and a little couple of those other pieces they have. Darius Garland is, I mean, I don't know. I know he was drafted pretty high. He just... I'm not, I'm not a really big believer in Darius Garland, to be honest with you. The Cavs still are quite a few pieces away. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't see it making a big difference for Cleveland unless, for some reason, that you can get Drummond to actually be able to kick out and let Kevin Love do his thing. But Colin Sexton is, is an up-and-coming star in this league, I think. Definitely. I love Drummond. I love his game. But he's got to be in the most perfect situation for him to be successful. There's not much you can say in Cleveland about being perfect situations without right. LeBron James. So we'll see what happens there. But I think a Kevin Love, Andre Drummond front court is a good look. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, and just to touch on that real quick, the thing about Andre Drummond is he almost seems to get bored in games, and that can't happen. I, the guy's just a dominant talent and it, it just a rebounder. But there's games that I seriously I look at him like, really? He just seems to get bored. And I think that kind of went off on uh, Blake Griffin as well. But – I, I don't know. He's going to have to bring the energy, and I, I don't I don't know if he's really going to do that with Cleveland, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll have to see how that locker room adjusts. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what will matter, how he's received and receptive and things like that. And how happy he is, right? Right. The Clippers get Marcus Morris, Isaiah Thomas. The Knicks get Maurice Harkless and a 2020 first-round pick. The Wizards receive Jerome Robinson in a three-team trade. Go ahead, Tony. Okay, so none of this really matters other than the person you stated in the beginning, Marcus Morris. 
the Morris brothers, they're tough boys, man. They're tough. They play tough. That dude can shoot. Marcus Morris can shoot, and the best part about him is he's going to a team that has already two absolute studs. Marcus Morris is going to be that great guy. Where do you put Marcus Morris in the line? I mean, as, what, a seventh or eighth guy? I mean, you got you got Lou Williams coming off bench, and but I'm telling you that he's going to make that team better. He's going to, he's going to win some games. You're going to see in the playoffs there. You're going to be kind of surprised because he really, when he was – where he was at, he didn't get a lot. I know it's a, a high market over there, but he didn't get a lot of uh, say, and he was injured for a little bit. I like Marcus Morris a lot. I love this trade. When we were looking at trades and which ones we were going to talk about and stuff, I looked at him like, yeah, this one really doesn't matter. And then you're like, well, what about Marcus Morris? And uh, I sit here and think about it. I'm like, you're right. He kind of, just to compare him to somebody, I don't know if he's as good a player as him, but kind of like a Robert Ory kind of guy. Yeah. He steps up, drains threes, drains mid-range buckets, gets boards. And he's just there. That's a like, that's a good that's a good comparison. I, I didn't even think about that, but that is a really good comparison. You can set him in the corner. You can set him mid range, do a high low post, whatever you want to do with Marcus, and he can make a good pass and he can drain buckets. So good move for the Clippers that already have crazy talent. You already mentioned that, so I'm not gonna go into it further. I don't know about Isaiah Thomas. When he first got in the league and you know he was making buckets, doing good things with the Kings. Then he goes to Boston and becomes a star. And then that star was extinguished just as fast as it lit up. So I don't know what kind of player he is now, especially, I mean, it's a mental game when you're in the NBA and going team to team to team. So we'll see what kind of version of Isaiah Thomas the Clippers get. But if he's used well, I mean, he can drain threes and he's a good facilitator. So we'll see what happens. Well, and I don't think he's going to take a lot of minutes from Patrick Beverly. And a little tidbit here. Keep a lookout for Marcus Morris being the uh, big brother of Patrick Beverly with the way he talks trash. I'm interested in that. <laughs> that will be funny. All right, we'll do a, some rapid-fire trades. Three people that I'm not going to do the whole trade, but they're going to different teams. Actually, four, not three. Alec Burks to the 76ers. I think it's a good move for Sixers. Spread the floor a little more. Another shooter. They actually don't have a lot of shooters, so another shooter, two 76ers. What do you think, Tony? He's a great shooter, and he's a, he's a good player, and I think that's a good move for them as well. Robert Covington to the Rockets. I love this. James Harden and Russell Westbrook needing some offensive help. Robert Covington was a stud for the 76ers last year, and it didn't really find his spot where he was at. So for him to go to the Rockets, I like it. Russell Westbrook will make him a lot better. Look out for that. Clint Capella and Nene to the Hawks. I like this. Get them some low post, I don't know about scores, but at least some low post threats that can help the defense collapse and give Trey Young and their shooters some more looks on the outside. The only thing I want to see happen with Clint Capella, because I love Clint Capella and I think he's in a bad situation right now. Could somebody just trade Clint Capella to the Clippers? And uh, they have a guy over there in LA that they could take right back to the Hawks that would be happily. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. I think Clint Capella, just, you just trade him for Montrezl Harrell over between the Clippers and the Hawks, and I, the Clippers would be super scary if that was the case. I just feel bad for Clint Capella. That would be a monster trade for both squads, but unfortunately the trade deadline is over. I know, but it would work. You know what I'm saying? It, w- it would literally work. You know that if Atlanta went and said, hey, we'll give you Clint Capella right now for Montrezl Harrell, I bet the Clippers are like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I totally agree with that, and that'd be a good look for both squads, I think. Montrezl Harrell would be a good fit with Atlanta. They need some hustle glue guys, and he's definitely one of them. Super young team, too, so he gets to build with them. Definitely. Since the NBA trade deadline is over, our talk is over about it as well. Let's go to one MLB trade that 
has kind of swept the nation in terms of water cooler talk at work. And we, of course, are talking about Mookie Betts is officially traded to the Dodgers. Talk about it, Tony. I'm not even going to talk about Mookie Betts. I'm going to talk about Alex Verdugo. (laughs) Uh, I really do believe that the Boston just stole somebody. I really do. Uh, I know what the Dodgers are trying to do by bringing Mookie Betts over, and don't get me wrong, Mookie Betts is a great player. I like, I'm like. i kind of like that guy that kind of looks for the kind of the, the lining, not what everybody's talking about, something else, and I really do believe Alex Verdugo is going to be a stud in Boston. However, uh, this makes the Dodgers very, very good. Because <laughs> not only do they get Betts, they also get David Price, who is a pretty solid pitcher, to say the least. And then in the exchange with Alex Verdugo, the Red Sox also get Jeter Downs and Connor Wong. So I think it was a solid trade for both squads. The Dodgers were already really impressive. You add Mookie Betts, great bat, great fielder, now they're the real deal. You know why they brought David Price over as well in this is, you know, after the downfall that Clayton Kershaw had last year, David Price is going to be able to help him out with that and, you know, kind of get him over that because David Price has won everywhere he's went. So... I, I know David Price is getting a little bit up there, but a new team sometimes. I mean, look at uh, Charlie Morton. I mean, look at what he did when he went over to Houston, and that's a totally another topic. But, I mean, I really do believe that David Price, I mean, I, I could see David Price winning 15 games, and I really do believe that. Yeah, I mean, he's got the talent, and he's wise. He's been in a lot of pressure cooker situations, and I'm sure he's just going to take that to the Dodgers. And he's back in the National League. Yeah, that's always a good thing. (laughs) I mean, you brought up Houston. We'll just jump right there. Talking MLB talk. Houston Astros with the the sign-stealing saga, scandal, conviction, whatever you want to call it. This happened to the Cubs. Uh, As much as I love the Chicago Cubs, I I probably wouldn't be a fan until every single player that was on that team and everybody in the front office was gone. Uh, This was really bad for baseball. And then for them to come out a couple days ago and issue an apology, the way they did it was absolutely the worst thing you could have done. There, there's no reason for you to come out, say you're sorry, but you never really said sorry. I mean, the owner was quoted as saying, I can't say it exactly, I, I did actually put it on social media exactly, but he was quoted as basically saying that nothing they did helped them win a World Series in 2017. When you say something like that, you're not really sorry. And then they have some sad attempts to have poor Alex Bregman come out there and Jose Altuve and their apologies, which they were better when the actual media was able to go into the locker room. They, they did explain it better. But Bregman came out and said, and what Altuve came out and said, I said, this is a joke. you know. And I, I was making a joke uh, to a guy at work that I want to see the first game of every series that the Astros play teams this year. I bet there's warnings by those umpires before those games starts because if I'm a fan sitting here upset, can you imagine being the Dodgers of 2017? Could you imagine being other teams of 2000? I mean, could you imagine that? So there, there's going to be some bad blood, and I, I don't. I think this is very, very far from over. I hope other teams don't get involved as well. Yeah, it was a crazy situation where it kind of resembles the the scandal with the New Orleans. Saints in football where they had the it was like a hit list the bounty gate the bounty gate It's kind of you know, it's really bad for sports when there's scandals or things going on like this and to win a World Series and have this Overshadowing it 
that World Series is kind of null and void now yeah. because they were stealing signs. Well, and you know what? And people say, well, it's, we sh they should strip them of it. No, they shouldn't strip them of it. Guess what happens? Nobody, everybody quits talking about it. And this is something that doesn't need to be quit talking, being quit talking about. This should never happen again. Uh, I'm afraid that it's not only going to be the Astros. I'm afraid that in time and years to come, there's going to be other people that come up that are going to do this. Now, I don't know if you know, and I, I'm not going to play trivia questions with you or not, but who actually started that? Sign stealing scandal with the Astros was an intern, some little smart intern on the computer that ran all this stuff, and they went with it. So that was kind of amazing. And I guess I'll ask your opinion on this, and I'll kind of bring it over to you, and we can bring it back to me. But as far as Hall of Fame goes, I mean, you have George Springer, you have—I'm just playing guys that I believe might be, you know, might be Hall of Fame candidates in you know 10, 15 years. But you got George Springer, you got Alex Bregman, you got Jose Altuve. You believe that they should be able to make the Hall of Fame without any other punishment other than what they've already gotten? No, and I was going to bring this name up before, but if Pete Rose, who was gambling on the game, has been blackballed from the Hall of Fame for 30 years, then these guys shouldn't be in there either. I mean, they legitimately did something very wrong. They cheated, they lied, they did things in baseball that you're not supposed to do in sports in general. They shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I don't think Carlos Beltran should ever get a job as a manager. Um, I also think Evan Gaddis is the one person that is flying under the radar that needs to be exposed as well. Look at his lines from home and away. Uh, I actually know this because I just looked it up yesterday when I was talking to a coworker of mine at work. His batting average away from home in the postseason in 2017 was .091. True. Okay, and, he, and now Evan Gaddis ain't the greatest hitter in the world, but at home in the postseason, Evan Gaddis batted in the 280s. Come on, plain pudding right there. Everybody knows what was going on. And it's just, I just think he's kind of flying under the radar. And I think there's other guys flying under the radar that that deserved to actually, their names need to be out there as well, along with those quote-unquote stars that they talk about. Definitely. I totally agree with that. And like I said, I mentioned Pete Rose's name. There's been a lot of stories, a lot of headlines about Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame because of this now. So like, hey, if we're going to give World Series to cheaters, why not have a gambler in the Hall of Fame? Because he was a great player. So what do you do with that? I've been very vocal on this. I don't know if you read anything on social media. I've been very vocal on this since it's come out. Um, I believe there's no way you can keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. And I think all this was really bad for baseball. Here's my thing, okay? I will be perfectly fine with them keeping Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame should they come out and take every single person. I don't care if you're an owner, if you're uh a manager, I don't care if you're just some guy running a computer, I don't care if you're the, the PA announcer for the Houston Astros home games, anybody that was employed by the Houston Astros in 2017 is never able to make a Hall of Fame, that's fine with me, but you know that's not going to happen. So since that's not going to happen, and you're not going to keep the Altuves of the world out of the Hall of Fame, you need to give this to Pete Rose. And the, you know what I'm, I'm really worried about, Brandon, is that they're going to give this to him after he dies, and that's what's going to bother me really bad. Yeah, that would be a travesty, to say the least. And I kind of said that kind of drier. But yeah, that would be a, a travesty if they let him in after he's already gone when he's been fighting for this for a long, long time. I hope he Rose gets in. He deserves it. And he's already been vocal about it, so I do. I hope he gets in as well, and I, I, at least he's got us on his side for sure. I know there's people that's not on his side still to this day, but a big believer in that. Moving on from one tough subject to another, uh, haven't had you on to talk about this yet, but you're a huge basketball fan just like I am. Let's talk about Kobe's passing. 
Talk about Kobe Bryant and what he meant to you as a player and as a person. To me, this has no time limit. And I am going to be the one person that won't sit here and BS anybody. I was not a big Kobe fan as a person when he was alive. Uh, I always respected his game as a basketball player. You have to respect his game as a basketball player. But as a person, I didn't know much about him. I talked to you, Brandon, about this before we even came on here. Is The one thing that I can't stand about America, and I guess it's just the way it is, is the way people talk about people after they've passed. Uh, I've made it a point in my life always to, if I have friends or if I have somebody that's doing something well, I always try to make sure they understand that, that, that they hear it right out of my mouth, you know, that they're a good person, that they're working hard, that they're doing stuff. Um, in this situation, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's crazy that after Kobe passed away and along with the other, with Gigi and the other seven people, the stories that came out, the Wilbon story that came out, and I'm not going to get too much into that, but the Wilbon story with Wilbon's kid, like, that touched me hardcore. And I've never in my life felt how I felt when I found out that Kobe passed away about somebody I've never met. And that is when I knew it was bigger than basketball because did you watch the special at the Staples Center? Did you happen to watch that? I did not. I did not catch it. My goodness. I mean, to see the way that Jerry West was and to see the way that Shaquille O'Neal was and then they brought Dwayne Wade on and, you know, and Ernie Johnson and, and Kenny the Jet and Charles Barkley. This guy has touched so many. I mean, he spoke four or five different languages. The cool clip of talking to Luka Doncic on the sideline in Slovenian was super neat. I, I still say that he was talking trash to him, but people say they were having a conversation. I don't know how much you've touched on it, Brandon. Everybody says devastation, and I can't come up with another word other than that. It's just devastation. I mean, he had a 13-year-old girl. And the way I watched, I want to say Jimmy Kimmel. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel that he had. Um, and he was talking about Gigi and how, you know, she's going to be, like everybody was always telling him that he needed to have a boy to carry on a legacy. And, you know, she'd sit there and say, hey, I got this, you know. And he said, at 13 years old, she already believed that she was going to be in the WNBA. For him, the stuff he did and the helicopter rides to the Mamba Center to actually do this stuff with these girls and these people that he brought along, it is travesty. It really is a devastation. And I could talk on this for a long time. I have, I've learned so much about Kobe Bryant in the last week, week and a half, two weeks of my life that I never thought I'd know. And I guess that's why I wish, I wish there would have been more publicity on the good things he did when he was here than after he passed away. I totally agree with that. I have touched on this quite a bit. Uh, when it first happened, I talked about Kobe probably the first week, every episode. So I won't get into it much. I was a Kobe Bryant fan. I mean, I have a painting behind me where I have Three of my top players, Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, and Kobe Bryant, done probably about two or three years ago. I did know some of the stuff that he did behind the scenes, and I totally agree with you in the essence of, you know, these players, these people are doing great things off the court that aren't shined on. They don't get a spotlight. LeBron James, I brought him up before, has started a college, does scholarships, does all kinds of stuff to help the community. Cleveland, I think when he left Cleveland to go to Miami the first time around, it really wasn't about him leaving as a player as much as it was him being part of the community and everything that he was doing behind the scenes because now he wasn't going to be in Cleveland. I thought that had just as much to do with it as him being a player on the court for the Cleveland. Sure, and it makes sense. And the, the LeBron thing, you, you and I both agree on 100%. We talked about this as well. I would love for somebody to tell me one thing that LeBron James has ever done wrong, it, off the court or on the court. You know, the point is, is when you are as great as he really is, you're going to have haters. It's just who it is. I mean, success brings haters, and most of those people are just jealous or upset. But, man, good for LeBron. And that's another thing. That, that's things that I, I think it's good to bring up. 
It's good to bring up because LeBron James isn't dead. And, I, and maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but my point is, is people need to know that he, the good stuff that he's doing, along with so many other people. And I know they have these awards and everything that they go along with, but no, you just just keep doing what you're doing. I like how I like how he doesn't let things get to him. So he does a great job. Definitely, LeBron is the man, and so is Kobe. Legend, rest in peace. But while we're talking about Kobe, the NBA All-Star Game did some changes in honor of Kobe. One was they have now the MVP of the game since Kobe Bryant was a four-time NBA All-Star MVP. They have now changed the trophy's name in honor of Kobe Bryant. And they also did the format change for the NBA All-Star Game, which is tonight, in honor of him as well. So the first three quarters... Are going to be based on quarters and whoever scores the most points or wins that quarter a hundred thousand dollars is going to a charity and then at the end of the third quarter they're gonna add those points up so say you know team LeBron has a hundred team Giannis 95 they're gonna add 24 points to the largest score so it'll be 124 is what you have to go to in honor of Kobe Bryant instead of having a, a time clock a clock at all I'm sure there'll be a shot clock, but a regular time clock, it'll be just a set score, get the extra 24 points to win the game in honor of Kobe. What do you think of these changes, Tony? Okay, I got some cool things to talk about here. Here's the here's the first thing. They always talk in an NBA All-Star game. They say, you know, would we ever have a 200-point game? Okay, what if they had a 200-point game this year and it was 224? <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be crazy, right? If that was the final of 224. Now I know that's far-fetched. However, the one thing that I really think is cool and that I'm really interested in watching this All-Star game uh, tonight is that they named the All-Star or the MVP trophy after Kobe Bryant. How many guys on that floor are going to want that trophy, that first trophy? So Everybody. Yes, yeah, so this game is actually going to be a lot of fun. And I don't see anybody walking out of that arena with that trophy other than LeBron James. I, I see this as probably the most competitive all-star game we are ever going to see. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, I think they're going to be really wanting that trophy. Everybody's going to want the first Kobe Bryant MVP all-star trophy. If you're there, you're going to want it. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, I mean, I think a triple-double takes it. Somebody's going to have to have a triple-double to get that all-star trophy. And I, I am excited about it. But the 224 thing would be super neat. That would be very, <laughs> very cool. And you got to think. Kobe was known as one of the most dedicated, determined players. Obviously, he did that in the All-Star game, four-time MVP. He didn't go and just jack around. Like, right. he was there to play. So everybody is probably going to be like, hey, this is for Kobe. We're going to do it the Mamba way. Right. So I and, can see that. You know, the, and to touch on one other thing with the charities, which I think is a super cool thing with the 100 grand charities every quarter, I believe that is going, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's going to all Chicagoland charities as well. Yes. So that's pretty cool that this is in Chicago. The charities are going to the Chicagoland areas, and... I haven't been more excited about an All-Star game in a while, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. And I said the 100000 after the first three quarters, so that's 300000 there. And then the winner is going to get 200000 So 500000 is going to go to charities all in the Chicago area. That's awesome. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Good stuff for NBA. I'm really proud that they did that. Yeah. I don't know if proud is the word, but I'm, I'm happy that they're doing stuff like this. I think they have done an excellent job the, with the passing of Kobe Bryant. I think everybody has done an excellent job. The way that people have expressed themselves and have come out. I mean, just the, the small, you know, Gigi always said she was Trey Young's favorite player. You know, Trey Young, he's going to be coming for that too. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lot to talk about. It, it's really... It's going to be an exciting all-star. I, I kind of don't have any other words I can really put it into context, to be honest. 
I feel you, my friend. I feel you. Rest in peace, Kobe. Rest and in GG. peace, for sure. And everybody that was in that helicopter, for sure. Oh, it's the end of February. We have March right around the corner. That means March Madness is almost upon us. Any favorites of yours going into your brackets? Uh, I'm going to be the most plain Jane person ever on this. Uh, I just, I don't see anybody beating Baylor. I don't. I don't. I just don't see it. And uh, I seen Duke just whooped up on Notre Dame really well uh, yesterday on me, but that Baylor team's tough, man. I thought you were going to say Duke because that's who I got. Early, right now, going in, um, they're at least in my final four. We have to see how it fills out the bracket and where, who's where, but... I've been watching a lot of Duke games, and they're they're tough. Yeah, they are tough. But yeah, you know, my thing about Baylor is is Baylor, and it's not really it's not that I it's not that I'm gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I know the Baylor team hands down like I know like you know the NBA and stuff like that. I don't. But you notice something about Baylor every year. They always have a good team. You know they they're always there. And I just think I mean I know they're number one, and I know I'm not really a person to take that number one spot all the time. I just truly believe that this is their year, and I think they're gonna get it done. And I, I kind of hope they do. I really do. I hope they do. So we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm still going to do. I'm yeah, just saying. Well, I'm going Bailey. Want to put a friendly <laughs> wager on it? All right. What's this wager? Um, I'll tell you what. Ten jelly beans. No, I'll tell you what. If Duke, not ten jelly. <laughs> if, if Duke, well, you can figure out the wager for me. If you, you, I'll figure out a wager for you, and you figure out a wager for me. I keep seeing that this uh, Norton antivirus is up on your computer. So I'll tell you what, if Duke wins, I'm going to buy you a Norton antivirus for your computer so we can get that taken care of. And then uh, you can think of something that you can do for me. You know, Maybe maybe, maybe give me some Botox or something and just wrinkle the face. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll think of something. We'll think and of then, something. He, then he checks, then he hits the X button on the Norton antivirus. So I don't have to look at it. <laughs> I need a new computer. We'll probably be listening to it right now. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay, I'm not buying a new computer. I do have a laptop that can happen. I never use it. <laughs> My kids might be upset, but uh, that's great. Speaking of new, there's something new that everybody wants in Chicago, and that's a new quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, I think, is a. Uh, I don't know if he's overstayed his welcome. He's only been there three seasons, and it seems like everybody wants his head. Talk about it, Tony. Not everybody wants his head, Brandon. Okay, I'm not that everybody. Uh, everybody knows that I'm not that everybody. Uh, but I do believe you have to bring somebody in to compete with him. Uh, and at this point, I mean, if you can get Cam cheap enough, if you can get Nick Foles cheap enough, um, I don't know if cheap enough's even the word. If you can get somebody come in and and uh, and just challenge him for his job. Now, I want I want Nagy to do it right though. I don't want him to bring somebody in just to make the fans happy and then Trubisky gets the starting job. I mean, if a Cam Newton or a Nick Foles comes in or somebody comes in and I'll beat and beats him for that position then give it to him. I will be okay with that, you know. But I don't think you can just – I don't think you can just let Mitch come into the next year as just, well, you're our solid starter, here you go, take it. You know, I, I know I want to see another year out of him, but at this point, I mean, you have a defense to win you a Super Bowl. You need to get the offense together so you actually have a chance to win every game you play. And the schedule, I've seen uh, – I know the schedule's not out week by week, but uh, that schedule's tough. And it's, it's not going to be any easier than it was last year. And the NFL is not getting any easier than it ever has been. So you need to get an offense together, and you need to get a couple wide receivers. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Go pick up Josh Norman. I don't, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to run that real quick before anybody else picks him up. Go pick up Josh Norman. Get rid of Prince Mukamara. That'll make the defense a lot better. I just I don't know. But some, somebody needs to go on and, and challenge him for his job. What do you think? Well, I'm going to go back to the quarterback real quick because I was thinking some stuff. I don't know if I'm like over over Mitchell Trubisky because I feel 
three seasons is a weird parameter because okay we've seen him but there's also potential there still like he's not a horrible quarterback he's got the arm he just needs help with his decision making I feel like if his decision making in pressure situations was a lot better he would be a lot better and we wouldn't be having this conversation so I do believe they need to bring in somebody but I don't know if Cam Newton or Foles is the kind of guy I'm thinking more of somebody that's on their way out but has been in those situations and can give them some mentorship. And so you say I can't think of any names right now, so I'm not going to say who you're talking about. But just think about like the 90s, early 2000s, like a Jeff Garcia. He traveled around the league at the end there, like four or five different teams, and helped the new starting quarterback after him, helped him out, gave him advice. Somebody like that that can push Mitchell Trubisky to the next level. The only person that's available for that is Philip Rivers, and he wants to be a starter, and he's not going somewhere unless he's a starter. I thought about him, but I thought that exact same thing. He wants to be the guy. Yeah. He's not the guy anymore. He's really not. No offense. He had his run. But I don't think he's the guy to be in that position. And like I said, I can't think of any names except the old guys, you know, older that are way out of you know retirement and stuff. But like a... You know, a Brett Favre at the end of his career. You know, play one season, show him the ropes. A Jeff Garcia, who was a journeyman at the end. You know, somebody like that, but I don't know if there is guys like that anymore. The only people you have is Josh McCown, which you've already went through. Another thing that to touch on real quick about Phillip Rivers is, Phillip Rivers, to me, is not even a starter on one of the 32 NFL teams in the league. I believe he's a Hall of Famer, even though he's never won a uh, Super Bowl. But I don't believe he's a starter next season, and somebody's going to give it to him. But, I mean, between him and Jameis Winston, sometimes I don't think they know where they're throwing the ball. Phillip Rivers had a great career, but, I mean, you have nine kids, man. Hang it up. Go home and have fun with your family. I honestly don't even think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Very Good. I do think he's a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that have never won a uh, Super Bowl that have very, very comparable statistics that are lower than what Philip Rivers All right, we'll, we'll take them all out of the Hall of Fame. Grand Tarkin. Uh, we'll, take we'll, take them, we'll take them all out. <laughs> we'll take them all out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take them all out. You have to meet the new requirements. Right. So when I was talking to Evan Carroll, another Mendota boy, probably two weeks ago, I had asked him, since he's a Packers fan and I'm a Bears fan, you're a Bears fan as well. Poor kid. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> I think his whole family's Packers fans. Poor family. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so I told him a couple Packers that I w always wanted to see as Bears. So I want to ask you the same thing. I picked two players. I want to know who you would pick. You only get two picks. All-time Packers. They can be whoever they want. Evan stuck with, when he was picking Bears, stuck with you know people that he had seen. So he didn't pick Walter Payton or anything like that. But who are two Packers you would not have minded being in a Chicago Bears jersey? It's simple. Reggie White and Aaron Rodgers. You can never argue with the Reggie White. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a supreme talent. I want, now I'm talking Aaron Rodgers in his prime. You know, right. if you could have taken those two guys and it, you would have been able to draft him. I, Reggie White and Aaron Rodgers are my two guys. Now, I do want to know, because I did not listen to this in your podcast, who did you choose? I picked Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson. Not Charles Tillman. Peanut was a bear. Said the wrong name. <laughs> so, yeah, I picked Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson. I loved Woodson. I, he was a ball hawker. He was a tough, physical. I mean, when he was guarding you, you were not going to get any room. And I love that. I love to see that in defensive players. He was amazing. And Rodgers, we both agree on in, in the same situation there. But if you gave me this all over again, and I know Charles Woodson was a great player, but if I sat there with the number one pick and I had two people to choose from, which was Charles Woodson or Reggie White, I'm sorry, man, Charles Woodson's going number two. <laughs> Reggie White was a beast, man. Yeah, I love Reggie White. Not saying that, but 
I, I liked the kind of player that Charles Woodson was. Not saying I didn't like who Reggie White was, but I just I liked that pick. You kind of threw me, kind of threw me a hook right there. You, you didn't let me know you were going to do that. No, that's why I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, you know, keep you on your toes here, at your Seat Podcast. All right, well, hold on. Let's before we move on from this, I want I want to ask you a question. All right, I'm gonna throw you, I'm gonna throw you a hook because you threw me a hook. All right, let's give me this. your top three bears of all time. All time. Walter Payton. Well, this gets tough when you're thinking eras. It don't have to be the best like stats wise. I'm saying just like your three like favorite my yeah, three right, favorites. Right, sure. Then I would go Walter Payton, Brian Urlacher, Matt Forte. All right, I would go Walter Payton, Brian Urlacher, and Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown gets lost a lot in the mix. He was so exciting to watch. I love Mike Brown. And when you brought up the Charles Woodson, that's the first person I thought of was Mike Brown. So, good picks, though. I like him. Yeah, I like Mike Brown, too. And Evan picked Mike Brown. He was one of the players that he picked. (laughs) I think he picked Hester and Mike Brown. I think that's who he went with. But, yeah, Mike Brown was amazing. Unfortunately, had injuries, shortened his career. But he was an amazing, amazing defensive player. But I always liked Matt Forte. He was quiet. Did everything on the field, showed you what he was going to do instead of telling you, which we are getting into the era where everybody thinks they have to talk. You're Matt, not talking about Antonio Brown, right? <laughs> He's one of them. He's one of them. Matt Forte just got the job done, so that's why I throw him in there. Walter Payton, I mean, sweetness. There's nothing else I need to say there. a kid named that for him. Of course, that's going to be. You know, the thing yeah. about Matt Forte, the greatest thing, and we can go on after this, the one thing that I loved about Matt Forte, Brandon, was when he scored a touchdown, what's the only thing he ever did? Pointed to the sky. Pointed to the sky, looked up, pointed to the sky, and he was done. I, he didn't do crazy celebrations, which I know when he played you could, and they, they called it the no-fun league and all that. And, but honestly, I believe if Matt Forte was playing right now, I still don't think he would do celebrations. I know where you're coming from. He's a humble guy. I kind of feel like I'm doing him a disservice, but, boy, I, I really loved Mike Brown in the early 2000s. What a stud. No doubt. It's okay to have different picks. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of want to be like you. <laughs> nah, nobody wants to be like me. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing I wanted to discuss with you before I get you out of here is Little League Baseball. I see that you are, you've always been very dedicated and had an eye for baseball. And you've been a coach before with Little League and stuff like that. So just tell me what you're doing now. And, you know, Little League is right around the corner. Yeah, I'm really, really busy uh, along with, uh, with with actual doing work and raising kids with a wife. And uh, I actually joined the Little League board this year. Um, doing a lot of work with that. I also, uh, Dominic, my 13-year-old, I don't even know if I've told you this or not, has got an invite to play with the Illinois Valley Titans for a travel league. So we'll be doing that. There's going to be a lot of traveling during the during the weekends. But to stick to the city league, I'm really excited. I'm going to uh, help coach with Josh Randolph on the uh, 13, 14-year-old team. He brings a kid from Oglesby that went to state last year. That 13, 14-year-old team went to state. I have been out to Josh's to hit, uh, taking Dominic out there and watch Justin hit, I'm going to tell you right now, he might have one of the most pure swings. Uh, anybody that knew Jesse Griswold at Fermendota, if you want to, if you ever think about his swing, you can look at Justin Randolph's swing and just, you just, you lose it. I mean, you know, we all come from the Phil Bodine, Red people of going through high school and stuff, and it's so funny because after we got done hitting out there and, you know, Josh Randolph was trying to help Dominic a little bit with, like, his swing and keeping his back foot, and we got in the car and Dominic's like, he says everything just like you say it. And I said, Dominic, we grew up in the same program. Like, you know, so I am really excited to work with Josh now. They moved from Oldsby to Mendota. I'll tell you what, Mendota High School is going to have an absolute stud baseball player in a couple of years. I'll tell you that right now. He'll be going to high school next year. So be good, though. Very good. Awesome. Very cool. 
Little League is always a cool experience. You have the uh, players that want to play. You have the players that are just there because their mom wanted them to stay off the couch during summer break. You put them together, and then all of a sudden you have these kids that just wanted to play video games actually playing baseball and wanting to do it. So it's a great thing. When I was helping you that one year, I saw a lot of that. At the beginning of the year, kids were talking about, oh, you know, I just want to play the new Call of Duty or whatever. And then at the end of the year, they were like, hey, there's no more practices? Why not? I want to come practice. Right. And it was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, and, you know, I've coached some really good kids, and I don't take any credit for his skill. And I don't even know if you know who Kane Clendenin is who played for St. B. But I coached Kane Clendenin, and, you know, I coached my own kid, Peyton. I will say Kane Clendenin, I wish I could go back and, and record the way he practiced the way he played and the way he acted. Because I would literally show kids that are 13, 14 years old right now and say, this is what you gotta do. This is the way you gotta act. This is the way you gotta bring yourself. I had to go out and prospect to, for us to have a 13, 14 year old team. And I got five kids to sign up that weren't gonna sign up for baseball this year. So I'm really excited and I've told these kids, uh, I've told them, you know, we're gonna have a lot of fun, we're gonna work. I believe we're gonna have a really good team. So I'm really excited about it and really it just, you know, it gets you something to do. And, it, and like me and Josh were talking, he said, Josh told me, he said, you know, he goes, I think I'm more excited about coaching my kid than I ever was playing. And I said, that's exactly how I feel. I, I wish I had the drive of playing that I had the drive of coaching. I don't know if anybody else feels that other way about that, but I'm pretty excited about it. And, and you know, if I can real quick, thanks to all the sponsors in the area for making Little League what it is. And I appreciate you bringing that up, Brandon. I'm excited about this year. Definitely. I'm excited, too. I told you. I'll do your book if you need me to. I'll even sit in the bleachers if you don't have enough coaches. We we talked about this, and the thing is, is we have to have at least 13 kids to have three coaches in there. If that happens, uh, we're, we're going to bring you along to, to be in there. But if we don't have 13 kids, we can only have two coaches in there. But you can sit out there and you can do the book all you want. I, I, <laughs> I hate doing the book. It seems like anybody, I know Josh will know how to do the book, but it seems like anybody I ever coached with, other than the year I had you, nobody knows how to do the book. I mean, Mike Rapine played all his life, played baseball, and you give him that book and you, you think you just gave him a Rubik's Cube, you know? <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing with it. So uh, I appreciated having you. And, and trust me, if we got, if, you can definitely do our book this year. I'd be more happy to do that. But you got to do the stats right, though, you know? I can't make up numbers? E6, E4, yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't need no error. Well, if there's an error, then, like, especially if there's an error on Dominic, go ahead and just, you know, just say it was a single or something. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'll make sure I have a whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that. It's always fun. I've been doing a book or keeping stats for 20 years, so it's always fun. And I get to chill with the kids. So, anything else we want to speak about here, Tony? We went through all the topics I had jotted down. Well, remember that article you did about us for our, our 11, 12-year-old team? I do. I appreciate that. That was a good time, man. That was fun. And then you did the article, and that, that was awesome. So yeah. that was a good time. I wish I, I need to find that article. Is there anything to get that? I don't know. I'll have to look at it. Is that something we should probably talk about off the air? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I love that article, and I appreciate the way you did everything. And you even did the, some of the Mighty Ducks references in that article, I remember. I did. Oh, that was pretty cool, <laughs> man. No, no, I, I, I think we're good. Awesome. Well, Edge of URC Podcast. We didn't even talk about this, but this was episode 50. 50 episodes. That's 50 episodes in about four months. We have been trying to share as much as possible with you guys, so it has been a lot of fun. Tony, thank you. This is kind of like nostalgic, sort of, yeah. have you back in here and doing the podcast. I, I appreciate it. Our lives get busy, and, uh, you know, things happen, but uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to come back anytime. I was actually the one that reached out to him to do this. I thought it would be great to do the. 50th episode together, and 
you know, I, I love it. I honestly, there's there's times there's times I wish we could do it all together at the same time. But you've been doing a great job, man. And I, I don't know, your three hours of sleep a night is going to catch up with you soon enough, you know. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been a great episode, great time with one of my best friends forever, BFF. <laughs> well, until next time, peace. Peace, Jim out. <laughs>